0: Mission, and at how the Phoenix almost did not fly. It is not every day that someone calls to offer you a free spacecraft. Early in 2002, several scientists at the NASA Ames Research Center did just that. They reminded me that a 10-foot box in a Lockheed Martin clean room in Denver held a mothballed surveyor spacecraft. It was supposed to have been launched in 2001, but NASA canceled the flight after its twin, the Mars Polar Lander, was lost during landing in December 1999. The loss had been a crushing blow to the agency, coming just weeks after the Mars Climate Orbiter had disappeared during its orbit insertion maneuver, presumed destroyed. It was a blow to me personally, too. I led the team that had designed and built the Lander's camera. The AIMS scientist wanted to refurbish the spacecraft as part of NASA's new scout program and asked me to serve as the lead scientist. Stunned, I hesitated. I had participated in planetary exploration for more than a dozen years, and the constant travel, endless meetings, and nonstop phone calls had lost their thrill and kept me from the scientific investigations that I had trained for. Furthermore, at that point, the new project had no funding, No proposal manager and no support from a large institution, and only a few months remained before the proposed due date. Yet there stirred in my heart the desire to lead a team to find those magical clues and unravel the twisted threads that entangled Mars science. In my heart, I never believed the Viking landers' results. How was it possible that they saw no organic material? Could it be hidden where a new mission with the proper design could find it? For two weeks, I wrestled with myself. I had to identify meaningful scientific objectives. The Surveyor spacecraft had been designed to land near the equator, sample the soil with a robotic arm, and deploy a small rover to analyze nearby rocks. It also carried scientific instruments intended to prepare for an eventual human mission we could not afford to carry the rover on a scout budget and did not have to prepare for human missions. So, new instruments could replace the old, but the choice would depend on our basic science goals, which were unidentified. At this moment, through a wonderful synchronicity, my Arizona colleague William Boynton went public with the discovery of near-surface water ice surrounding Mars's south polar cap. Boynton led the team that built and operated the gamma ray spectrometer on the Mars Odyssey orbiter, an instrument that detects not only gamma rays but also neutrons, which probe the hydrogen concentration in the upper meter of soil. The instrument also saw hints of water in the northern plains, including a sliver of water ice rich soil located at maximum extent of the winter carbon dioxide ice cap. This cap waxes and wanes with the seasons. I put an X on my map to mark this spot, and immediately began choosing instruments to follow up this discovery. Earth has a similar permafrost zone surrounding the Arctic. It is the deep freezer of the planet and preserves signatures of the life forms that have lived there. The ice can be hundreds of thousands of years old. I had heard at a Mars polar conference that SK Willerslev, of the University of Copenhagen, had performed DNA analysis on samples of Greenland glacial ice and Siberian permafrost, and found a huge diversity of plants, animals, and other organisms. Would the same be true for Mars with ice that might be many millions of years old? I put together a partnership among the University of Arizona, the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and Lockheed Martin. We called our mission Phoenix because we were bringing the canceled Survivor mission back to life like the mythological bird. So began the one-and-a-half-year ordeal of writing proposals and competing against 20 other mission concepts, culminating in an eight-hour site visit from NASA's review board. In August 2003, NASA selected us to be the first scout mission to Mars. The launch date of August 2007 gave us four years to prepare. We unpacked the spacecraft. It looked like a giant butterfly. Its body bristled with scientific instruments, and its two large solar panels resembled outspread wings. It crouched on three legs, its single appendage, the robot arm, poked out from the side. The next four years were spent examining.